the two-part special on Libra Network. In this episode, I'll be breaking down the economic design of Libra Network. And in the next episode, I'll be talking about my opinions, thoughts, and questions. Now that we have the foundational principles sorted in the last few episodes, let's take a look at applying them to a use case, which is Facebook Libra token or Libra coin. We're going to use the word coin and token interchangeably. If you're in the space, you probably heard a lot about it last year, where there was a huge controversy when Facebook said that they released their own global global currency. Everyone, everyone was worried that it becomes a, a superior currency that trumps all the other currencies. So Facebook took a lot of feedback, took a lot of criticisms, and had a lot of meetings with very brilliant people from the IMF and the G7 to come up with a new working paper or a new economics design of the Libra token. And this is what we're going to talk about, the Libra token 2.0 with their new white paper. And this episode, we're going to cover three things. The first one is why economics design of Libra token is the future, the guideline to economics design framework, and applying Libra token to the framework, which is we're going to cover governance, security, and monetary policy. This podcast series is called Economics Design. In this series, we'll be talking about how to design a virtual economy, check with various case, check with various designers, and run through different case studies. More generally, we'll be talking about the economic design of digital systems. They can be blockchain-based, they can be frequent flyer poise-based, or they can be just video games. So let's get started. Part one: Why economics design of Libra, co Libra coin is the future. Before we go into understand LibraCoin, we have to understand why the economics design is very important and why, why we have to talk about the economics design. Because if you don't talk about it, then everything else is moot. And before we get started, I also want to clarify that when we're talking about LibraCoin, we're talking about it as a payment system, as a use case, not the underlying blockchain protocol. Because the underlying blockchain protocol is the Libra blockchain protocol, and that's the underlying technological stack that the payment system is built upon. So if you think about it, it's like making whiskey. We can talk about the barley use, the fermentation period, the yeast, the air temperature, the, the water source. But we're not talking about the building the wooden cask, which the whiskey will be fermenting in. The wooden cask itself is the underlying blockchain protocol, which is the Libra blockchain protocol. It's not what we're talking about. We're talking about all the ingredients that make the very nice bottle of single malt. So this payment system, is, which is the whiskey, is an economy on its own, with various users coming together, interacting with each other, and transacting. Here, we're talking about the design of this payment system and the payment system's economy. The Libra token is an asset that is used to represent value when being, that is being transferred between all the different people in the system. So users come together, they transact, and the common asset that they're transacting is the Libra token. The takeaway in economics design is that we're creating programmable assets, programmable mechanisms, programmable economies, and even programmable supervision for compliance purposes. And that's so exciting. We get to build the future. I know it sounds like we're playing God, trying to build the future, trying to disrupt the natural process that's in place. But we are also making a, we're also building this system where it makes our future systems a lot more flexible and it allows us to scale a lot faster and also, the world is changing so much faster than the systems that we have in place. So it's important to build flexible and programmable systems, assets and mechanisms, so that we get to, they get to evolve at the same speed as our economy is evolving, as our world is changing. And that's very important, and that's why it's super exciting. 
The beauty of economics design is that we get to design two things. The first one is we get to design the token, which is a representation of value, and we get to design the, the environment in which the token exists in, or the tokens exist in, depending on how many tokens you want. And what do we mean by the environment in which the token will exist in? It means who? Who gets to interact with the token? What? What value does the token represent in the environment? Where? Where are the various environments that the token can be used, like geographical limits, jurisdictional constraints, or legality? When? When is transactions being validated and accounted for to avoid double spending? Why? Or the value add that the user brings, or the token brings to the user? And how? How does the user get to interact with each other? These are all factors that, that goes into the economic design of LibraCoin. It, it goes beyond just one jurisdiction, and it also reaches a global scale. It can also exist in the, the global world, but in the digital world, but it interacts with the real world. So that means the impact of this LibraCoin is widespread in terms of geographical limits and in terms of the application to our daily lives. So as the world gets more digital, thanks to coronavirus and not your digital innovation department, this is the start of the future that we're building. We are designing the future, right now, right here, today. And before I get way too excited about building the future and building a better future, let's, let's take a deep dive into understanding LibraCoin. Once we understand that, then we can start moving on to understanding how the, econ how the economy is being designed. So LibraCoin 101. It is possible to sum up the function of digital tokens into four functions, uh, three functions. S-U-M, security, utility, and money. This Libra coin takes up the function of money, M. With money, you can divide them into two subsections. One is packed money, and one is not packed money, duh. And Libra coin has two of them, has packed money and non-packed money. So they, it's, a, it's almost like a two token kind of system, or two, two functions of the token. Packed money just means one-to-one -one representation. So for example, one book means one dumbbell. So if I put one book in the bank, the bank will create one dumbbell. And if I want to get my book back, the, the bank will destroy the dumbbell and return my book. If I want to create five dumbbells, I put five books into the bank. It's a one for one. It, it's equal. It's not, it's not creating something out of thin air. Not packed money can come in very different forms. The two popular forms is that it can represent a basket of goods or a basket of currencies. So let's say we're making Lisa dollars, and in Lisa dollars, I have a basket of currencies. I'm going to use whiskey in my currencies. I'm going to have two bottles of whiskey to represent the value of Lisa dollars. And the price fluctuates because if this whiskey changes in price and that stays, Lisa dollar will change. And everything will change. So that's how Lisa dollars, the value of Lisa dollar fluctuates. And this is evident in the real world, which is Singapore dollars. Singapore dollars is packed to a basket of currencies. I don't know the specific makeup, but it includes all the major currencies like USD, um, GBP, EUR, CHF, JP, JY, JPY, and a few other currencies. So in the same way, Lisa dollars will be made up of a few different bottles of whiskey. The other, the other common way of developing or uh, defining value for money is that money has, has value on its own. So, Let's say now everyone believes that Lisa dollars is the new USD and everyone just trades in Lisa dollars. Nobody cares about USD anymore. There's a market for it. There's a supply for it. There's a demand for it. And that's how value is created. 
it sounds like creating money out of nothing to some people and yeah in simple words that is it you create money out of nothing there is a bit more complication at the back end but in the idea that is it it fluctuates a bit more because there's a lot more speculation involved there's a lot more um, complicated structures behind that you don't see and in the real world that will be the case study of USD in Libra network you have two types of these coins the packed money that is packed to major currencies like USD GBP EUR one Libra USD equals one actual USD so they do this by putting one US dollar note in the bank and then they mint one Libra US dollar coin it doesn't fluctuate whatever US dollar is is whatever this coin is worth the unpacked money will be defined by a basket of currencies. That is the LBR coin or Libra coin. It's a mix, it's a mixed weightage of various currencies like USD, GBP, EUR, JPY, CHF. It fluctuates slightly, but not as much as you know, just just having a currency to be defined in its own value based on supply and demand. That's a bit more complicated, a bit more difficult. So now that we have the general idea of Libra coin set in stone, let's, let's start to understand the framework to design economics design. Part 2. In general, the, the, the framework to designing economics, your economics design is, comes with three pillars. Market design, mechanism design and token design. Token design is not really necessary, it's optional because some, some tokens just do not require, or some ecosystem just do not require tokens. Market design is the design of your environment. It's the environment in which people interact with each other. Mechanism design is the rules of the game. These are the rules that people have to abide by if they are in your, in your ecosystem. Without the rules, it's nearly impossible to coordinate all these decentralized participants to, to transact or interact in your economy. Token design is design of the token itself. The token can be representation of a value in your economy. And they can have different types of value, like security, which is representation of an underlying asset, it can be utility, like a protocol token to transfer data and information, so that's what they represent. Or money as a means of payment, a store of value, or unit of account. Yes. Token design is not always important because sometimes you really don't need a token. It could be an economy of users or agents inputting information into a database, and the information is used to coordinate transactions within your economy. Case in point, maritime shipping and insurance. This is basically a database where users get to share and they will input information like volume of cargo, departure time, and the value of, of goods. And when things happen, you know, when shit happens, the insurer can use the information in the database, generate automated payouts to the companies. The payouts are finalized off the database. So you don't need, a, you don't need tokens to represent payouts. You just, need, you just need to use it as a database to, to coordinate all your transactions and payouts. Well, things to note though. The factors have varying in the level of importance in the ecosystem. I would argue that governance is the most important of all factors, but then again, it really depends on the objective of your ecosystem. The second thing, not every factor is relevant. Sometimes the entire column of the token design is not necessary. Sometimes bargaining protocol is not necessary. Sometimes congestion issue is already resolved by the underlying blockchain protocol. So you don't need, it's not an issue in the use case application layer. And also, these factors are mainly factors that can be designed and built from within the ecosystem. There are a lot of other factors that's outside, you know, like your blockchain protocol layer, your competency of the team, your secondary market implications, your speculation, your expectations of people. These are things that you can't design and they are still very important in your, they're still very important in your aspect of 
designing your ecosystem. But right now, let's do whatever we can within our scope of our control, which is to design the internal economy of your ecosystem in the primary market. So those are the two introductions of, of this episode. Now we're going to get a bit more technical, a bit deeper, and I hope you're prepared. So part three, economic design of Libra network. Before we begin designing anything, we have to, the first step is to define the objective of the entire ecosystem. Like in calculus, you need to know your first order condition so you know what you're optimizing. Otherwise, you can design anything, you can optimize anything, and it just doesn't make any sense. So it's kind of like in life, you have to know what your purpose of living is, then you design your life towards that objective, towards that purpose that you want to achieve. In the same way, we are designing the objective that this ecosystem wants to create, this network wants to create. Then we design the rules around it, the environment around it. We design the infrastructure, the ecosystem and economy around it. The objective of this Libra coin or Libra network is to support global cross-border exchanges. How? Through stabilization of currency and value preservation. Its objective is not monetary sovereignty as a global currency to replace the USD. It is not. It's just to facilitate cross-border payment. Now, that's the overall objective. The economic design objective is more structured. It is to build trust in an efficient payment method. These are very important because we're going to link them back later in later down in the episode. So there's a, this is now something much more concrete to work with. And let's get started. Part one, market design. Market design is the design of the environment so that people can interact with each other. Libra, being part of Facebook, has that design in two layers, the end user layer and the association layer. And the end user is Facebook account holders, that's 1.7 billion of them. People, these people are regular people like you and me, and we use, Facebook, uh, we use Libra coin to be sending money abroad, to be doing our day-to-day -day spending or to be buying ads or whatever. For the association, it's a much higher level. It's the behind-the-scenes kind of people. They are type of governance, various types of regulations or compliance, users, validators, and all these different hierarchy of people. This is defined with the partnerships of companies in the Libra network. Market design has three factors. Thickness, reduction in, in congestion, and safety. Let's start with thickness. Thickness just means how dense the population is, so that people can interact with each other easily. If you put it in the, con the perspective of whatever pandemic that's going on right now, the more dense the network, the easier the spread of the virus. We want the whole population to be less dense, so people are staying at home, avoiding, avoiding interaction, so that the spread of virus will be less. Now, think of the spread in a good way, as in we want to increase the use case of something. So, we want to increase the spread, we need the network to be more dense, we need people to be closer with each other, we need more interaction to occur so that people can transact easily with each other. It could be transacting the virus, which is the, the good use case. So, one, currency. Libra does, does it with having a single currency for domestic use case and multi-currency LBR coin as a common denominator currency for cross-border transactions. It is, converted, it is then converted to local currency to spend. And instead of finding liquidity in a common asset to enable cross-currency cross transactions, Libra facilitates that with the LBR coin, in the same way where Bancor uses the Bancor token to facilitate transactions in the, in the decentralized exchanges. Second, intermediaries. Having the LBR coin and to enable the ease of exchange is not enough. It is important to have a network of resellers and exchanges to buy and sell the coins. 
people like the money exchange shops on the streets, market makers, OTC desks. These, there's enough demand and supply in the network that people can transact easily. There's always people buying and selling. And people don't have to worry about not finding a market where they cannot trade these currencies in. Three, participants. For the end user participants, Facebook brings enough network effects that it's good to go. They don't need to start advertising to get people to join. They have enough just to get going. For the association level though, Libra has a different, different types of participants, like subsidiaries, members of the association, service providers, market makers, wallet users. These create a dense network to enable trading and transaction of the coins that is beyond just end users. Four, standardization of database structure. At the end of the day, blockchain is a database that cannot be edited. Honestly, simply put. And one way to encourage the network users is to standardize the database structure. Imagine if everyone in the world spoke the same language. Life would be so easy, right? You can just speak to anyone that you want to speak with. Currently, each company's system speaks a slightly different language. So it's quite difficult for, for the networks to speak to each other. With Libra, what it, what it is trying to do is to create a common language for a database that, that company systems are speaking with and can speak with. And what's the benefit of this? It lowers the cost of compliance because you don't need 100 regulators for 100 different systems. It means that for smaller, smaller firms can join the network and it increases the thickness of the network because now smaller firms can join, it's not just the big rich companies that can join. Since Libra is building its own blockchain protocol, this congestion issue is resolved in the, the, the protocol layer. And you can read the tech paper if you're interested. Also, since this is a permissioned blockchain, it has much less issues to deal with. On the payment systems level though, Libra reduces congestion by having more dealers, exchanges, and market makers so people can liquidate or transact anytime they want anywhere. In this way, it is also decentralized because there is no one centralized exchange or one main exchange or one main market maker governing the, the LBR coins. Also, because things are more digital, we get to program more mechanisms. Remember I talked about programmable mechanisms? So we can have automation at a protocol layer for compliance control, like sanctioned addresses, jurisdictions, monetary limits, and, and all these kind of stuff. So it can automatically limit and reduce transactions with all these um, automation in place. And lastly, lastly in market market design is safety. A few pretty good safety aspects that face, that Libra Network has created. One, the entire purpose of having more dealers, exchanges, and market makers is to ensure that end users is to ensure to the end users that they can convert their LBR coins to their local currency. This is a very important step because the objective the objective of the Libra network is to enable cross-border payments, not monetary, monetary sovereignty. And I told you that setting the objective is very important because it impacts our design. In a physical world, we have fractional banking. And that means when we put money in our bank, our bank lends out a fraction of that, lends a fraction of the money out. That's good because it creates money and it allows the economy to grow and expand with just limited money supply. But it's bad when shit happens and everybody runs to the bank to take the money out and banks have no money. Banks have nowhere to go find their money and they don't have money to return to each other so quickly. Libra is 100% backed by coins in circulation. They're usually co equally collateralized or over collateralized. So with a pet coin, one USD in the bank means one Libra USD token being minted. And one USD token being burnt means one USD is being taken out of the bank. The similar concept is also used in LBR token. 
Once again, this design factor is due to the objective of the cross-border payment solution and not monetary sovereignty. That means Libra is not using Libra LBR coins to create a multiplier effect to grow the economy. And this is just another form of money. And because Libra's objective is not that, they are not adding that into the design. And that's why setting your design objective is super important. And then there's KYC, AML, and compliance programs for all participants to follow. There's a written agreement with the market makers, which I assume is legally binding. And there's a high level of due diligence at every level. Again, that's because the objective is to build trust in the network. And one way to build trust is to have compliance and KYC, AMLs, and written agreements. Four, there is cross-border solution in place already, but, what they're, but they're only usually available to users with bank accounts. So one of the goal of Libra is to help the unbanked get access to funds. Think about someone going abroad to work and then sending their money back to the family. The family doesn't have a bank account, so how can they receive money and how can they spend that money? So here's where Libra hopes to solve their problem. So the solution is to have transaction limit and max address balance on unhosted wallet addresses. These wallet addresses are basically your bank accounts, your bank accounts with Facebook. Lastly, given that a single company can play many roles like market maker, member of association, a custodian wallet, the misconduct or moral hazard can be amplified. So this is done by having varying level of governance and participation and varying governance access and also to increase the skin in the game for entities to join by asking them to pay quite a hefty sum of money. This is, well, this is not perfect, for sure. And the system can still be rigged by the wealthy. But this solution is to reduce the chances of this kind of moral hazards by increasing skin in the game. When people have too much to lose, they will think twice about their actions. Then we hope that you know, they're governed by their morality where they will behave properly. Part two, mechanism design. Mechanism design is designing the rules of the game. This can be in terms of coded rules or rules that requires human inputs or sometimes a mix of both. There are three factors, there's governance, non-financial incentives, and structure. Governance, which I think is the most important thing. Good governance supports stability of the payment system and other public interests. I call it social optimization function. Where is consensus used in the Libra network? Two ways. One is in the, net, in the weightage of the LBR coin. That is the basket of currencies with different weightage to give value to the LBR coin. This is governed by FINMA, a Swiss regulatory body. Second, consensus is also used to validate transactions. Since Libra Network is a permission blockchain, people have to buy in to have a seat at the governance table. And in general, these people are the ones that define the ongoing governance by having consensus with decisions, with decisions to be made. And they also validate transactions. And for transactions to be validated, they need a two-thirds supermajority of the association members, just like most of the blockchain platforms anyway. Everything else is governed with, with machines, which is smart contract. For example, FINMA de determines the weightage of each different currencies in the basket to define the, LBR, the valuation of LBR token, but the execution is done by smart contract. In the future, there could be other players that's beyond FINMA, such as um, regulators, IMF, the central banks. And central banks will come in when, instead of using fiat, they use CBDC to back, um, in the, to, to back the assets in the basket of goods. Governance is not just about decision-making. It is also to reduce problems occurring or to resolve them before they occur. 
like preparing for a pandemic and containing a pandemic. That's also part of governance. That's also part of what governments do. So I mentioned a few times about programmable systems. Here, we embed programmable, programmable rules or supervision in the governance layer. That is the compliance of monitoring and enforcing of regulatory rules. Regulatory rules could be legal rules and systems. So what does it mean? It means that we can put all of these rules, like real-world rules, in, into programmable rules in the system so that the digital system will also abide by the physical rules that are in place or that are in our legal system. LBL coin is used as a unit of account and transferred between participants with a smart contract. It is hard-coded, transparent, and it reduces double spending, and everything is governed by machines, smart contract. Lastly, resolution is key when shit happens. Let's say there is a run on bank, and everyone decides to withdraw all the money. In the real world, usually banks will close and will stop people from withdrawing. But in the crypto world, there is no time off for things to stop. Everything runs 24-7. So what do they do? There are two ways to reduce this fire sale and to slow the speed of people withdrawing money instantly. Because usually it's, it's a hard effect. It's an irrational thing. So we, we want to slow it down. And that is to delay redemption. How do we do it? Two ways. One is to allow the network to liquidate the assets. And two is if you want to redeem it instantly, you have to pay a fee. Even though the assets are backed by highly liquid assets, it takes some time to liquidate them and return the cash value to the users. Second factor, non-financial incentives. The paper did not talk about voting in association level for governance. I'm pretty sure that's something they will have to talk about, but maybe they're not going to show it to public. I'll be very interested to learn more about their voting mechanism. But they did mention a little on the allocation mechanism. Coins are burnt and minted according to market demand. That means when money is added in via cash or short-term securities, then coins are minted. And when money is withdrawn, then coins are burnt. I wish they spoke more about the minimum holdings for each participation level, like exchanges, OTC desks, your, your money makers, your dealers, because that would give users a better understanding, a better idea of how much money is being talked about, how much money is being put into all these players in the system. And lastly, in mechanism design, we have structure. There is no bargaining, there's no bargaining or, or auction mechanisms involved because the prices are reflective of real-world prices. And hence, it's very important to rem remember that there is a real interaction between the real-world and programmable digital world. However, due to the interaction, there is a need for external information defining the structure of mechanism design, aka the rules of the game. For example, if there is a hard limit rule by the real world, like capital control and foreign exchange limits, these rules need to be embedded and need to be in digital form to be added into transaction rules when users are doing cross-border transactions. Of course, this can be automated with smart contract, with embedded rules, with programmable rules. In the future, as central banks release their central bank digital token and see an importance to take on the governance role in the Libra network, the central bank can manage their own reserve currencies in the Libra network and replace fiat, which is the fiat money in the money market funds that they have, with CBDC. Now, I'll talk a lot about money, and let's finally get started on token design, because that's, that's probably where you, you are more interested in, token design, the third pillar. We're going to look at token policy, financial incentives, and the architecture of the token. Once again, I must emphasize that token design is more than just the valuation of your token in the secondary market. In fact, 
Valuation of your token in the secondary market should not even in, be in your top five priorities when you're designing your economy. Please, please note that, okay? Okay, let's get started before I get carried away. Token policy. Token policy is both monetary policy and token valuation. When it comes to monetary policy, the coins in Libra Network is backed by highly liquid assets. That means they can be changed into cash very easily. They, they function similar to the special drawing rights in IMF, SDR. So let's have a quick crash course on SDR, special drawing rights. In the IMF, SDRs are a unit of account to settle claims for accounting purposes. It consists of a few major currencies with different weightage and it's published every day on the website. Each, each country in the IMF has some SDRs and they can use it to trade with each other, to exchange for foreign currencies, to repay debts, or to settle some accounting, to settle some accounting issues. So that's just a quick crash course on SDRs. SDRs. Now let's get back. LBR, which is the Libra coin. LBR functions similar to the SDRs, and they're used for a unit. They're used as a unit of account for accounting purposes. The LDR is mixed up. Is made up of fixed amount of single currency stable coins, which is your pet coins. Your various pet coins. They come together and they become one coin. These pet coins are backed by reserve assets. That means one. There is no new money creation, which is very important because that's not a function, that's not an objective that the Libra network wants to achieve. And one USD in the bank means one, one Libra USD being minted. It's a one-for-one -one exchange. Two, the financial assets have to add up to the value of coins being minted. So the reserve has cash and short-term securities, which is like super safe government bonds. And on the split, it's important to how we value the LBR coin. The PEG values, the PEG coin's valuation is obvious. Whatever your physical money is. One dollar is one dollar, one pound is one pound, one euro is one euro. With the LBR token, it's a mix. It's a mix of 80% safe securities and 20% cash equivalents. The securities are short-term maturity, uh, the, short, the securities have short-term maturity, low risk, and are very liquid. This is to ensure that the assets in the reserve is the same value as all the coins being minted. And the value of the LBR token is equivalent to the different weightage of the different currencies being involved. And that's how you get the weightage of the value token. If that's confusing, I'm sorry. Now, let's imagine this. Let's make it simple. Imagine LBR as a, as a hamburger. And PEG tokens will be your cheese, your buns, your lettuce, your patty. LBR is combining all these ingredients together to form a new asset called hamburger, which is your LBR coin. You can trade the hamburger for as a whole, or you can exchange them individually for the cheese, patty, buns, or lettuce. So that's just the difference between the single pack and the basket of currency. Now moving on to financial incentives. Financial, financial incentives for the end users are not evident, since we're not talking about ROIs or earning more coins via platform activities. However, there are financial incentives at the association level to earn the interest rates of these low-risk securities because these interest rates will not be given to end users. End users are just utilizing money and they have value added in different ways. But these association people, associational members, when they come in, they get to be part, they get to earn the interest rates as well. And lastly, we have architecture. The coin's distribution channel is to distribute Libra coin through regulated dealers. Coins are minted and distributed to the market via dealers. And 
Users can only access them through the dealers. The dealers could be your market makers, your OTC desks, your exchanges. It's, you cannot access them directly from association, association members. It's a very strict hierarchy system. And end users like you and me, we get to use the coins for daily purposes and it's distributed via exchanges and OTC dealers. So in conclusion, this episode summarizes the framework for economic design and how Libra coin how the Libra's economy is designed and managed and governed. In my next episode, I'll be sharing more thoughts, conclusions, and questions for the design. It's also important to note that everything that I've shared is based on the white paper and a few articles, which I will, I will share the links when you go to the YouTube video or in the comments or when you subscribe to the email newsletter. These are all you know, factual stuff. There are a lot of other implications that is not being discussed yet, which I will discuss in the next episode and I have so many things to discuss because while this is, this is the, the short-term thing that we can see, right? And it's, well, it's so far well-designed. There are a lot of other implications, the cause and effect that, that, that is underlying this entire system that's being built. And that's where things get super exciting and I can't wait to be talking about it. So till then, I'll see you next week. And if you have any comments, just leave them below. Any discussions, leave them, be leave them below. And if you want me to cover anything, also please let me know. I will share them in the next few episodes. See you!